Welcome to Tom Swift. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is a review over Nancy Drew, but the backdoor pilot for Tom Swift. Um, yeah, we'll call it that. I am your host, Rain Coleman. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Uh, a little bit of background. So, Nancy Drew is a show that's been out for the last, I believe, two years. Maybe 2019 is when it started. It's a show that is like right on my radar, right in my wheelhouse. It's very much the type of show that I like. However, I did not start Nancy Drew. I've never watched Nancy Drew. I was not. Th- I was there from the beginning. In the sense that I knew it existed, but I was not there because I never watched it. Um, Nothing against the show. At that time, I believe I was going through my issues with Riverdale. I was reviewing a lot of different shows, and I always intended to get into Nancy Drew. What stopped me is what stopped me with so many other shows. I like to watch things from the beginning. If I turn around and now there's four seasons and there's 22 episodes a season, I can't possibly take that on. I mean, I could, but like, no. So Nancy Drew is just a show that kind of fell on the wayside. Um, A few months ago, a good friend, friend of the show, Marcus Hayes, he uh, brought to my attention the Tom Swift element of Nancy Drew. Now, Nancy Drew is like a horror, supernatural, mystery, detective type show. And Tom Swift is a character from way back in the day who um, they've race bent. And he's now a black man. The actor T.N. Richards, and I believe I'm saying his name correctly. I think it's T.N. or T.I.? T.N. It's T. T. Richards. (laughs) So he, um, black guy, dark-skinned, visibly black there's no racial ambiguity there. I love that for him. Um, very attractive, nice build, good acting chops. And I say all of this not to like gush over him, but there's a lot of that missing in the shows that are on not just the CW, but just on TV at large. So in preparation for his episode, which is Nancy Drew season two episode 15 this episode is titled the celestial visitor uh the description is as things begin to go haywire at the claw a striking stranger appears looking for nancy he announces himself as the billionaire tom swift now um in preparation for this episode jj another friend of the show so you've heard on other episodes prior um mentioned like i should probably watch the 14th episode the episode before just to kind of get my feet wet on nancy drew i had some time to kill so i did now the episode prior to this one was okay hold on let me see how do i put this that one was called the siege of the unseen specter now i'm someone who watches black lightning i have watched other CW shows. I've seen Riverdale. So I have a certain opinion of the CW and of the DC shows and of the quality that they're pumping out. And I'm not a hundred percent impressed. 
Um, I will say Riverdale season one to me was a phenomenal season. It wasn't without its flaws, but it was a solid first season, 13 episodes, concise to the point. And even if you want to even if they were going to go off the rails with like some of the storylines, if you emulate with the magic you had from season one, I would have no issue with them getting all of these continuous seasons. But that is not the world we live in. We live in a world where they have gone on four seasons too far. <laughs> that being said, I bring all that up because <sighs> within watching Riverdale, dealing with the shenanigans on that show, and then watching Black Lightning and seeing the decline of the either quality or the cohesiveness or D, all of the above. It frustrates me to no end that you get these shows that are just like fast fashion. It's just pumping shows out and oh well, people are going to watch. So just give them something to look at until we cancel it. Um, Riverdale to me went off the rails and the continuity was fucked up from like uh day two uh with black lightning i'm having a lot of those same issues as i had with riverdale on this final finale season at the time of this recording there are two more episodes left of black lightning and i can tell you right now shout out to cole jackson my co-host for black lightning matters podcast hashtag blm bot i am not impressed and at this point we're just along for the ride hoping that it doesn't end in a train wreck I guess you say, hell, we're here talking about Tom. We're talking about this shit. <laughs> well, that being said, with those two kind of markers in mind, because I don't watch all of the Arrowverse shows, but would Riverdale and would Black Lightning be like the point of reference for me as a CW viewer of the current age of CW shows? I was not expecting much from Nancy Drew. However, what I've gotten now, keep this caveat in mind as well. I've only watched two complete episodes from start to finish. That was 14, The Siege of the Unseen Spectre, and 15, The Celestial Visitor. Season 2. Um, where Riverdale has messed up for me is, continuity-wise, I don't even really care so much about the acting ability, because I don't expect every actor on every show to just be this phenomenal Oscar award-winning actor so that's not an issue but it's been the continuity it's been the storylines and it's been just the haphazard way that they just do shit and it's like they're throwing stuff against the wall and hoping that it sticks with black lightning it has been a steady decline of quality and of care it feels like since season two since season one ended with Nancy Drew, I did not have high expectations. Now, I didn't think before watching it that it was just a terrible show. And I was like, well, they did make it to season two, but then at the same time, this is a conventionally attractive white woman with a cast full of very non-melanated people. To me, this is just Riverdale all over again, in theory, where, like, of course it would get a season two. I mean, look at these attractive whites. Um... I watched this episode 14, and that's not what I got. Now, it is to an extent, but the acting was there. The um, story was there. It felt like a beginning, a middle, an end. And for someone who isn't a watcher of the show, to sit down, press play, start from watch from start to end, and get the full story of the episode, understand there are certain things like B-plots and stuff that I wouldn't know um 
I wouldn't be invested in, but they still gave you enough that I'm like, oh, okay, I'd be interested maybe in watching a few more episodes. I think Nancy Drew did what she needed to do in that 14th episode. The other thing is, in Nancy Drew, um, we're featured in a town called Horseshoe Bay. I don't know where this is located. I haven't done that research. Um, it looks as if it is possibly in like maine connecticut i don't know someone who does know let me know <laughs> you know but it feels very much like riverdale but not new york like slightly adjacent of new york and i say that because there's like a pier and shipping and i don't know there's a bunch of stuff going on but i bring up that because it after watching the two episodes of nancy drew i realized that nancy drew is what riverdale wishes it was this is a really good show. Now, uh, while watching the 14th episode, I did a live tweet, again, talking to JJ, uh, Jupiter Julep, 12, um, and she was like, yeah, watch this before you watch the Tom Swift episode, see what you think, because they handled blackness in a way that I felt was really good. Why is that important? Well, one, you're listening to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast. Two, representation is the hill I die on. And three, a lot of these CW shows have dropped the ball, i.e. Black Lightning. Black Lightning did their own version of the Breonna Taylor um, incident, and it was terrible. Black Lightning is a all-black show, so... I'm not opposed to black trauma. I'm not opposed to black violence. Because if it fits within the show, it fits within the show. But at some point, you have to realize you have the responsibility as a and the platform, as the program delivering these images, to be a little bit more responsible. There's two instances in particular that come to mind. Uh, spoiler alert for Black Lightning Season 4. Uh, for those of you who aren't caught up, maybe skip ahead a minute or so. But there is a guy, Darius, who is a friend and co-worker of one of the main cast members. He ends up dead behind helping her out. There's another guy who is, his name's Uriah. He's the kind of, sort of, almost boyfriend of another cast mem- main cast member. And he ends up dead as well. And the issue to me is not the death, at least not in Darius's case, because I kind of saw that coming. But it's the way in which that death was handled. Like, seeing these black bodies laid out on screen with bullet holes in them while people stand over them and talk and have these little rom-com-ass moments and not one person picks up a phone to call an ambulance. The the conversation, in short, was like, oh, we have to hurry up and get such and such that Darius knew about because I'm sure people heard the gunshots and the police will be here soon. No care for this man's dead body, this man who we know as an audience moved to this city to get this nice job in this hospital, working alongside you, main character, helping you with your story, main character. Now he's dead, and it's just like, that's it? And the way in which they showed him. Now, I don't know. You could watch it. I believe that was episode... We are on episode 13, 12, We're on episode 11, just aired. Episode 11 had Uriah's death, which I wasn't a fan of. So it was episode 10 that had Darius's death. And look at the way they handle his dead body. Now, if you think that I'm overreacting or you think I'm being too sensitive, that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their own, own opinion. I am not. 
I can assure you that. But um, if we have difference of opinion, that's perfectly fine. It's art. You're going to interpret it different ways. But for me, I ask, who the hell is this for? We're going to get back to Tom Swift in a second and Nancy Drew. But also going to the most recent episode, episode 11, uh, where the guy Uriah was killed. Again, his instance, not to spoil it all, but the way in which he was killed because of the way powers work on this show it made no sense to me nor did it make sense to my co-host cole jackson one two of uh government name podcast who also was um uh disgusted with me i'll probably link that those last two episodes in the show notes but um the way that they showed him laid out in the street with these essentially bullet wounds in his chest regardless to how trash the cgi was it was like who is this for there is a way to show death and trauma especially when it pertains to black people any marginalized community and yet i feel like this show has really dropped the ball why is that important because again if i'm using riverdale and i'm using black lightning as my point of reference for cw shows one show of which is extremely black and the other is white with some color sprinkled in throughout I stopped watching Riverdale thinking in season three. So if they if they have tried their hand at any like Black Lightning matters or Stop Asian Black Lightning matters, Black Lives Matter or any Stop Asian hate type storylines, I'm not aware of. Uh, but with Black Lightning, the constant dropping of the ball when showing these images is sickening to me. Um, again, it's important because I feel as if. You're going to show these murders and these deaths. I'm not saying shy away from it, but you have to you have to make sense of what it is you're doing. And in both cases of Darius and Uriah, if they just had to die, there was a way to show those dead bodies without them laid out with bullet holes in their chest. This is shit that we see all day, every day on the news, been nonstop for years, been ramped up, especially in the last five years, five to ten years. Why would I want to turn on my escapism, my fantasy a slightly re- realistic TV show and see that again, not saying they couldn't be dead because Darius died and he was murdered, excuse me, in his own apartment. Why couldn't you have that man on his side, on his stomach and just show a quick cut of him, cut back to the people who are alive talking. And we, as an audience will understand that this man ain't sleep on his floor. We'll understand that he's dead. Same thing with Uriah, even if he was going to get shot, which why was that even a thing to show him with these bullet holes made no sense. A quick close up from his uh, shoulders up talking to the potential girlfriend and him dying right there. Show off his acting chops and you we're not assaulted with these countless bullet wounds in his chest. Oh, man. So. Tying it into Nancy Drew and Tom Swift. So episode 14 of Nancy Drew season 2 that I watched about the Siege of the Unseen Spectre. With this episode, Nancy starts off having a birthday dinner uh, with somebody named Carson. Again, I don't watch the show, so I'm not sure who he is in relation to her. She gets arrested. There's a warrant for her arrest 
and for contempt of court or something. She's taken to a police station. Again, me not watching this, I'm like, okay, maybe this is a big deal. Maybe she's never been arrested. Well, while she's at the precinct, several other people are there for different reasons. Maybe I'm going to just say maybe like a parking ticket or dropping off something. Just random. Nobody's there for the same exact reason. All of a sudden, everyone gets locked into the precinct, and those people are suspects or they're adjacent to a murder that happened six years ago in this continuity. Why is this important? Within this show, Nancy Drew um, essentially becomes the detective. I guess this is what she do every episode. But, like, it focuses on her. She gets her handcuffs off. And then she has to uncover the um, – figure out what happened to this dead woman. Nancy makes the comment um, – oh, and I forget the lady's name. Dolores, that's her name. So the woman who died, name was Dolores – or was murdered, name was Dolores – someone, some disembodied voice, it has trapped everyone in the precinct. They're talking to everyone, like, you need to figure out what happened to Dolores, such, such, or y'all can't get out of here. The, the exits are electrified. It's just, we're all stuck in this one room. Nancy says to, I believe, the police chief or whatever, like, Dolores, such and such, this makes no sense. Why have I not heard of her, a dead woman or a missing woman in Horseshoe Bay? That makes no sense. Horseshoe Bay is a small, not small, not a large city, but a smaller town. Um, and then two of the other cast members are like, yeah, well, that's the same day or same week that Rose such and such went missing. Rose is a little white girl who, and so they set it up for you as the viewer. Again, me never seeing the show. I understand that there was a, a Rose girl who went missing. Everybody worked on that. The police couldn't, so they say... Um, put manpower on both missing cases, so all of it went to the little girl. Pretty blonde hair, blue eyed white girl. Find out that Dolores is a black woman. The way in which they handled, they being Nancy Drew's show creative team, handled the black woman going missing and her story and tracking the timeline was so fucking well done. And it's... It makes me think, and this is not to give this show so much credit because I don't know if it's if it's consistently this good, but whoever they had writing this episode or whoever they have on the writing staff, I believe JJ told me it was two black women that wrote this episode. Like it, you can see that there's still trauma, there's still pain. They essentially take this black woman's story of like when she was at a bar at such and such o'clock and how she went missing at this time and they go through it and they show how everybody, they show what happened and who did what to her. And within these different accounts of people in the precinct having seen this black woman, you get essentially two stories. You get the story that they give us initially trying to absolve themselves from any wrongdoing and then you get the real story. And this black woman going through the trauma in this story is not grotesque. It's not overdone. It is very much, look at this. This is a real thing. This happens. This woman is gone. It was triggering for me based on the content, not on the way it was handled by this show. They did a very good job. Um, we also show ultimately, again, a spoiler alert for those of you who may watch Nancy Drew and haven't seen episode 14 and 15, but we find out um, that everybody essentially had a hand in this woman's uh, disappearance. 
even if it was a minor, not even, let me not say minor because I don't want to uh, minimize the impact. Even if it wasn't as grand as the next person or it didn't seem that way by their interactions. And I'm trying to be deliberately vague because I don't want to give away too much. Um, but there was one instance where the police was called in a in in a exchange that is so common amongst people but specifically when it happens to black people it's like ah you know you have to figure out how are we going to maneuver in this space where i come out of this motherfucker alive um even when we got to a point where she was she dolores the black woman um how do i say this was um i'm just saying was just abused by the police they got that point across very fast. They got that point across with allowing the viewer to use their imagination. So, again, I'm going to just give it away. Dolores' head was slammed against a police car. But the way that they showed that was the police officer like grabbing her up in handcuffs, being rough with her for like a few seconds that we could see, and then you see him getting ready to like, oh, this is so weird to explain this this way, but to like get ready to be physically aggressive with her, and they cut away, and it's and that part is shown while the story is being delivered. So me as a viewer, I understand what's going on. I'm not happy with it. I'm triggered by the content, but seeing how they delivered that information was very well done. Another show, Kung Fu. JJ, shout out to you. <laughs> she got me watching Kung Fu's uh, most recent episode as well. And they dealt with a very similar kind of Black Lives Matter, um, riot, uh, police brutality type of um, type of storyline. It is uh, Sanctuary, Sanctuary, uh, Season 1, Episode 5, in which an officer involved shooting in Chinatown sends shockwaves through the community. They handled it so well, too. So, again, I know I've been going on for a while about this. I'll bring it back to Tom Swift. But the the fact of the matter is these two shows did a good job of getting this kind of very special Black Lives Matter episode out in a way that, for me as a viewer who has not who haven't watched either of the shows, I feel like they did a really good job with the, with the material. They um, handled it really well. Um, they presented this storyline in a way that didn't feel like it, it was a very elaborate departure from the storylines that are already existing. I got some glimpses into the, um, other plots that are already existing before this episode. If it just felt so much better than what we've gotten from say, like the black lightning Breonna Taylor episode. And so, now, <laughs> with all that being said, moving on to Tom Swift. Having Tom Swift be a part of this kind of Nancy Drew extended universe or whatever this is, and seeing the way in which he was portrayed and everything, all the beats that were hitting this episode, really made me feel good. Uh, Tom Swift is a black billionaire queer man who looks black. With the writers, so I don't know if the writers for Nancy Drew will be different from the writers for um, Tom Swift. But 
after watching episode 14 going right into episode 15 there was a little kind of jarring nature there because I'm, I'm not used to the show so i didn't know if this was a seamless transition or if this was like we're setting up this pilot so this has to stand alone in certain ways you know it's it's i'm still getting used to nancy drew but there is nothing that was said in this tom swift episode that i have too much issue with with the backdrop of everything i said about the handling or mishandling of black stories tom swift is a guy who is dealing with some daddy issues dealing with some acceptance he's dealing with you know controlling his own narrative having his identity um kind of on display for others and keeping some parts of him private and still feels like a black character i'm not sure who wrote this episode black people do not exist in a vacuum we're not a monolith we are we have different varying experiences so not to say oh he talks black y'all he he say nigga and this no it's not that but what i'm saying is nothing that he said was offensive none of the conversations surrounding him his blackness his queerness in relation to everyone else on the show or just independently none of that felt offensive to me um Something that they did in this episode, which I like, which kind of reminded me of Kung Fu. So in Kung Fu, there's a Black Lives Matter protest for the boy who was shot dead by the police in Chinatown. The mother of the main character is not with the shit. She's like, oh, well, I hope the shop owner who shop he was killed by, I hope he's okay. The girl's like, well, mom, this black kid was killed and you're worried about, I think his name is Mr. Wu. She's like, well, he didn't ask for this. And, such a, and they set her up, and I understand we're watching this. I understand which, what type of show I'm watching. So they set her up to kind of be, I don't want to say the bad guy, but for lack of a better word, the devil's advocate the one who's like, well, everyone else is off of this Black Lives Matter shit. I'm not. And she was never, I never felt like she was overtly like racist or anything. I felt like with the character, it was more or less like, I'm trying to live this Chinese life. And the, I'm this, no, I'm living this very privileged in some ways life. And now this um killing incident has interrupted the flow of what i wanted and and what we've had for so long and that might just sound racist anyways but i never i never got the sense that she was like you know fuck black people y'all can all die i never got that sense but i got the sense that like i'm trying to separate myself from the incident we got to protect ours and worry about our own and how her kids pretty much made challenged her on every step of the way and yet kind of felt like a very special episode but with the way some of the characters are um were handled it didn't feel that way it felt that way by nature of it being that type of episode but it didn't um i don't know i don't know you watch it for yourself but that being said when it comes to tom swift there was this interaction of him and the only other black person on nancy drew horseshoe bay nick or ned nickerson or they call him ned they call him nick whatever um, and he's a light-skinned guy. I'd say racially ambiguous. To me, he looks like a black guy, but he also looks biracial um, with his texture of hair and his clothing and the way that he's acting and the show that he's on. I can easily see him as just like this 
kind of token black or POC character. Uh, Tom has a conversation with Ned and it's about his haircut. Like apparently he, um, Ned cut his own hair and he kind of right by the ear on the right side, kind of, kind of got happy with the Clippers and it, 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 it got him bald on a little bit. And so they're talking about it and they have this interaction where Ned's Asian girlfriend, her name is George. She is a little kind of hurt or a little nosy about their conversation and she's like what are you guys talking about and so Ned was like ah you know nothing and she looks visibly like not upset but maybe annoyed or worried now my big smart ass I was like oh do she think Tom trying to take her man I didn't even the whole (laughs) black identity portion didn't come into play initially because I was like okay maybe they don't have gay people in this town but that wasn't it. It was just this brotherly conversation that they were having. Well, that Ned was having with this brand new person who just walked on the scene after two seasons and what is it? Damn, 15 episodes into the second season. Now, I really enjoyed this exchange. And looking back on it, it did not feel as if it was too far removed from the conversations I've seen Ned have with other people on the show, even in episode 14, though that was a heavier, darker episode. It never felt like Ned was like, oh, gee gollies, Nancy, I fucking love this damn restaurant we run. And then when Tom come in, he's like, hey, what's up, nigga? What's good, cuz? You know what I'm saying? What the move? It wasn't that. The conversation that Ned had with Tom felt, at least in cadence, and in in tone, um, it felt like the conversation he has with everyone else. I'll say the body language and, and such kind of felt a little different. But again, I'm only two episodes into Nancy Drew. So I, I could be wrong. But I get what the show was doing. And ironically enough, the George girl... I loved her in the episode 14. Like, she had her own little B-plot. She was kind of involved in the A-plot for a minute, but she had her own thing going on. It's like mystical grandmother was inside one of her friend's body, and she it's the whole thing. But I liked her. So when we got this from her, I was like, if you don't mind your goddamn business, what is up? And someone tweeted this. I don't know what's up with non-black people inserting themselves into black people's business and then feeling left out or upset about it. Get you some goddamn... Bi- I don't care if this is your boyfriend. This is weird as fuck. And another thing. How do you date someone of another race and not do your work at being educated on the bare minimum or having those conversations with your partner? There's no goddamn way I'm going to date a white person and not be like, tell me some shit about you, your childhood, growing up, your family members, your races or not, you're from the Southwest... Asian person, same way. Are you what? What? Where are you from? Where's your family from? How long y'all been here? What you? Do? What is this? What is that? Now, let's just shit off the top of my head. So, if it's offensive, please charge it to my head, not my heart. I, what I'm trying to get at is there's there's a privilege, and oh, Nancy Drew addressed this so. Well. I'm gonna jump back to episode 14 during this um, explanation. There is a privilege that you have from being the majority and not even just like oh white people are 
the majority in the world. Not that. I'm saying in the majority, especially in your um, local spaces. When you watch Nancy Drew, there's nothing but white folks. I put out a poll, a poll while I was live tweeting, and I asked everyone, I said, this is a serious question. As someone brand new to Nancy Drew, enjoying what I'm seeing so far, please tell me how many black people are on this show. And my choices were like zero, uh, one to three, five to 10 and like 12 to 17 and everyone said about you know i said how many people are on the show and have been on the show that were black and it was like five to ten or one to three one of those got the most votes and this this lady and i don't think she was white i think she may have been middle eastern but she commented and she said hey there's not been a lot we got ned or nick or whatever you want to say his mom um, there was a lady in the B plot of this 15th episode, which I think she's a lawyer. And then the girl mentioned like two or three other people that were like in passing. And one of those people was Dolores, the black woman who um, was murdered in the last episode. And I was like, damn, this isn't something that would make me just give up the show altogether. But it's like, God damn, how much do I have? How, when is enough enough? Why do I have to keep constantly watching these shows where these black people are like few and far between, but the majority of the cast is white? I do like that George is on this show, though. I like this Asian representation, and also Ned is there, and they're a couple, so there's that. They set up in this 15th episode, they had George pretty much get offended at the fact that Ned is different from everyone else. Um, so when she asks what's going on, Tom is like, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll see y'all later. I'm going to head out. She sits down with uh, with Ned and she's like, um, you know, what's up? He's like, you know, okay, it's just, it's good. I'm I'm happy. Whatever. Uh, I, it's, a, damn, I can't get this. Out. He says, it's just refreshing, me paraphrasing, to ha- talk to another black person that's my age around here. Because while he's talking to Tom, he mentioned, because they were, you know, getting on Ned about his haircut. He was like, hey, man, I went to the barbershop here in Horseshoe Bay. And the man, the barber, damn near lost his mind. He damn near had a heart attack looking at my hair. He said, the closest black barbershop is three hours away. So I have to get my clippers, get on YouTube, and figure it out. Um, Tom leaves him and George are having a conversation. And George is like, well, are you saying you're a different person when you're not around black people and i'm like bitch don't make this about you what are you talking about yes everyone has a mask everyone is slightly different around their different groups you are not the same person with your boyfriend who you are when you're at work you're not the same person at work as you are when you're at church you're not the same person at church as you are when you're at the club you're not the same person at the club as you are when you're babysitting your nieces and nephews like it's so weird to me And I understand what they were doing with the character and they were building her up to have this arc, which does come full circle in the course of the episode. But it was so annoying that I saw her in episode 14, very confident and sure of herself and doing this whole sleuthing thing and familiar with the supernatural. And apparently she has like a lesbian ghost living inside her body with her, which let's not even go down that road. But to see her in that space and now that you have this privilege of being one of a large cast of predominantly white people, she's Asian, of course, 
but you aren't a black person. And I, I don't know. I feel like I'm not getting <laughs> out well enough what I'm feeling, but it was frustrating as hell. So I'm like, again, who dates someone of a different race, religion, um, age, and not have questions and not get educated? Like your education, George, your education can't begin now that Tom has showed up on this show. Because what if we never had this damn backdoor pilot? Now, are you just existing with this black boyfriend, never asking about any experiences he's had? And again, not to say every episode of the show has to be him explaining, you know, code switching and Black Lives Matter and, you know, greens and all this other shit. But God damn, how do you date someone of another race and not do the bare minimum? I'm not a fan. Uh, So... Eventually, they have this conversation in the bar uh, or at, on their date where homegirl brings it back up. She's like, okay, well, what about you? Introduce me to the real Nick. And he's like, man, this is me. I just don't like such and such song. She's like, oh, you love that song? No, I liked you, so I Googled the song. I don't like that shit. And I do like the way they handled this racial conversation uh, because you could have easily had Ned be mad because if I was Ned dealing with George, I'm like, hey, chick, no, no, fam, you're not about to do this to me. But he was very kind, he was a little bit more considerate than I, I would have been. Um, but she says, Yeah, what, why are you, you know, such a different person? Such, such, and he's he he doesn't even explain, he gives her a, a, um, a story. He says, Hey, there's this guy that comes into the restaurant, karaoke night. He sings, you know, with all the rap songs. He says the N-word. She's like, well, why don't you just tell him not to? Well, because if I do, then he's asking, well, why you can say it, but I can't. And then when I have to explain, I become the angry black guy. And this and that. it's like the fact that I know this experience intimately because I, I'm a black man. But the fact that he has this experience and he has these things he's dealing with, I don't expect you to know everything, but this shouldn't be a shock to her. This shouldn't be brand new. I don't care what age these characters are. Like we can't ignore race and think that that's like, either we're going to ignore it altogether and just have a show with none of it, or we're going to address it, but make it make sense. And she's like, well, why don't you just tell him not to, and why is not this and that? I'm like, man, why does this man have to put in the emotional labor and footwork to tell another motherfucker not to use a goddamn slur that's targeted at him? And he says, sometimes it's easier to just be like, you know, fuck it. Just leave it alone and keep doing what you're doing. And I'm with him. You in this all-white, spooky-ass town, which I don't understand why he's there to begin with. In this all-white town with all this supernatural shit going on. Your girlfriend got possessed by a lesbian demon. Uh, your other good friend is constantly solving mysteries, being locked up and shit. Like, what? why are you here? Why are you here, Ned? Why didn't you... Go to a big city. Why don't you go anywhere but this motherfucking place? Uh, but she, he says, well, look, you like me. I like you. You getting upset about this cold switch and shit. But, you know, what about you? I looked on your social media. Ain't no pictures of us. And she's like, oh, you know, whatever. Then they get to the end. And she's like, hey, you know, my grandfather follows me on social media. I'm assuming they meant Instagram by the way that they set up the show. Um, and she's like, you know, older Chinese people can be very racist when it comes to black folks. And I was like, damn, that was really good. So for all my hatred towards her, George, over the course of the episode, like this coming full circle made so much sense because there are 
issues with race with everyone, but there are issues with the Asian community and the black community. There, it, it just is. And to bring it up in this way, I was like, oh, looking back on it, I think they did a really good job. Um, I can even accept her feeling some type of way about the conversation with him and Tom because it gets us to this point where we are at the end. So, I mean, if you agree, cool. If you don't, that's fine too. If you think it could have been better, you know, let me know. But I did enjoy that arc of just a few scenes. I think it was like maybe three quick scenes and we got what we needed from them. Now, Tom, this motherfucker is a scientific genius. LeVar Burton is the voice of his AI. He is fashionable as hell. Looks good in everything he wore this damn episode. Um, I'm trying to get the wardrobe, the the costume and wardrobe ladies uh, Twitter handle. Because she, she did that. Tom looked damn good in them stripes. Her name is Ayana. Ayana Jamal? No, hold up. Ayana James, excuse me. Ayana James Kamani. She she tweeted, came for the looks, stayed for the vibe, Tom Swift costumes designed by me. And she did that. This motherfucker looked good. Little Gucci belt on, dropping ball main. You know, it, it's... One of the ladies who was live tweeting with me mentioned that Tom Swift gave her Blair Underwood vibe mixed with some other character who I didn't know. But I said, oh, this is very much it. Like, if you've watched Gossip Girl, take the, like evil pettiness of Blair Underwood, but like keeping that same feeling, that is Tom Swift. This man, oh my god. Tian Richards did that, and I definitely want to have him on the show to interview him and talk to him. I cannot wait for this series to be picked up and go live. So, on the Tom Swift show, there's supposed to be, I believe, some trans representation as well. I'm hoping to hell that we get some trans women and some trans men who are black and brown of color. Like, that would just set this shit off. So, within the course of the episode, Tom is trying to get a meteor that landed in Horseshoe Bay 90 years ago. A piece of it broke off, and now there's a meteor heading towards or past Earth, and it's the cause for all of the like weird supernatural things in this particular episode, um, like birds flying into a, a, a building, some of the water, the natural body of water is like glowing pink. It's a, it's it's interesting. So over the course of the episode, we get all of these gadgets that he's created. We get LeVar Burton talking. We get Tom talking shit. He tells Nancy at one point, I went to MIT and you went to a thrift store and got that hat. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. He talks to Ned. He's like, how'd you get wrapped up in all this? You know, he said, oh, well, I moved here and such such. He said, you got wrapped up in all this white nonsense. And it's like, he's very much a butch queen. Now, I don't know if Tian Richards is um, queer in real life. I don't know if he's heterosexual. That I could care less at this point. I just think he's doing a good job with the, um, with the character. And Tom Swift for those of you who don't know, is a like old ass character. He is um, the main person in a six series American science fiction adventure novel set. Um, apparently, these had a lot of emphasis on science and invention and technology and were first published back in 1910. He was a white guy, of course. And 
there's like so many freaking volumes. Like really quickly, let's see if I can't pull it up. I know the original series from 1910 to 1941. Um, he lives in New York in a fictional town called Shopton. Um, he's the son of Barton Swift the founder of the Swift Construction Company. His mother is deceased. Um, the original Tom Swift has been claimed to represent the early 20th century conception of inventors. I love this. For all of the, the things considering representation that we've been shouting from the rooftops for years, we just want to fight fucking dragons. We just want to be seen in the future. We just want to survive the apocalypse. We just want to have regular-ass stories. This Tom Swift could be such a freaking game-changer. Um, I know there's people who are upset who don't really care about gender and race-swapping characters. And I'm I'm coming a little bit on board with, in some aspects. But for this one, for a motherfucker that's been around for over 100 goddamn years whatever you could have made him hispanic you could have or latin you could have made him asian like i don't care about that but i am happy that we have this character and then that he's queer and so we deal a lot with invention fashion um daddy issues we get a solid arc with him and it's not bad he's reading motherfuckers the script was very good. Another thing that I really enjoy about the two Nancy Drew episodes I watched is that there's a lot of shit that happens in each episode. Like, for those longtime listeners of Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, you know I love British UK television. And one of the things that made me fall in love with it is that in American TV, for some time, we had TV shows, sitcoms, dramas, and such that had like 22 fucking episodes. Some of it being filler, some of it, you know, little two episode story arcs here and there, but a lot of it was just a bunch of fucking just shows. With UK television, they will give you six episodes in season one that will feel like 22 goddamn episodes. Then they'll fuck around in season two. They'll give you two episodes. <laughs> like, I'm looking at you, Luther. And then it'll be like, it'll feel like you've been watching this for like four or five hours. Then the third episode, they might, third season, they might give you nine episodes. Then they'll give you like a two and a half episode season finale. So like, they, the way British television has been like pumping out content has been so well done and that's what nancy drew reminds me of i looked up while live tweeting and i want to say there were like 15 20 minutes left for the episode i was like we have done a lot of shit like we've gotten through a whole lot and still have more to go even the last episode with uh dolores and figuring out who murdered her and whatnot like we solved the mystery and i was like why are there like 15 minutes left of this episode <laughs> and nancy went to the church and talked to the pastor and there was this whole thing whatever i won't spoil that but i was like god damn this is really good and that's something that i like about nancy drew and i'm hoping that carries over into tom swift with him talking to nancy because he hires her to help him find a meteor so he can get the meteor and um use it as fuel to get his dad into space uh, then maybe his dad will love him and appreciate him, and he won't be the gay disappointment. He'd be more of his great inventor son. Few things. I I don't know. Like, 
Okay, so Tom shows up, hires Nancy. They go into this Icarus mansion where this is a whole fraternal organization from the 1920s, did some shit, whatever. When Tom ends up at the end of the show with the meteor, all I'm thinking is, are you able to do that? Like, is that something? Like, you came to this town, and even if no one knew the meteor was there, it's there in that town. Is, are you, like, I don't know. I don't know how to get across what I'm trying to say, but it felt like you aren't supposed to be taking this away from this time. Like, shouldn't there be some other entity that comes to collect this? But, you know, I guess if didn't nobody know it was there, oh, fucking well. Um, I mean, I was good with it either way, but I was like, this feels like you need permission to take this time. So he does that. A few other things. There is a scene where Tom is talking to Nancy. They're looking over some old records of the Icarus mansion and his dad texts him and LeVar Burton's AI voice comes up and he's like, Oh, your dad is texting. What should we tell him um, about the Tubman society ball or Tubman, Tubman society dinner or some shit. And I'm like, they dropped so many interesting things over the course of his story in this episode that makes me yearn for his first season because what is this Tubman Society ball um LeVar Burton's AI voice was like should we tell your dad you're taking Geraldine uh should we ask him who is Geraldine should we maybe tell him your boyfriend name is James it was this whole like fun little kind of comic relief but serious moment where he tells Nancy like you know we got some issues Geraldine is not a boy that's a girl's name and you know, my dad doesn't know I'm gay and such and such. And I may not be doing a great job at, like, getting the point across, but, like, understand this was a very good episode. Um, there's nothing that was done by Tom that I don't think anyone, that would that would leave anyone with questions like, um, like, wondering why he does some of the things he does. Like, it's clear this man is hurt. He's seeking validation from his father. You've set up his father to be this big force in his life where no matter how rich you are, yes, you're a billionaire, scientist, inventor, you still want daddy's approval. Oh, man. My God. I, I love it. Uh, so him and the crew going to the Icarus Mansion, pretty much detecting uh, this thing's souls, ghosts, ghosts of the old Icarus fraternity dudes that died who actually killed each other. I don't, I'm so unclear about Nancy Drew because my take is that it is the supernatural show and Tom is more the science guy and him and Nancy go head to head throughout the whole episode pretty much like, no, there's a scientific explanation for this. And she's like, no, this is Horseshoe Bay. Shit like this happens all the time. And they even did a callback on what I'm assuming is an older um, storyline with the, and I think it was called the White Women or the White Sisters, some like ghostly, mystical women who use magic. It was it was interesting, and it wasn't too heavy-handed, and it was enough to make me interested in finding like, oh, I wonder, wonder what that episode was about. If they're showing up here, and Nancy is like, oh, shit, they back again, you know, how was her encounter with them initially? Let me figure that out. So they, they being the Nancy Drew staff, did a good job with this episode. Um, Tom is dressed nice. 
He is driving a nice car. He is dealing with the same issues as everyone else. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I really just enjoyed this episode. They made sure he took his shirt off because Tian Richards has a very nice body. And that seems to be like a hallmark of CW. Because, again, <laughs> when I was watching Riverdale, there was not one episode that went by where KJ Appa, a.k.a. Archie Andrews, did not come about his shirt. I remember the Red Circle Gang episode where he shot a video of him and the other football players, I don't know, against whatever the villain of the week was, like, you ain't gonna fuck up our town, and he was shirtless. It was like, why don't you have on the shirt for this video? Like, this is very odd. It's not even like, oh, the children shouldn't see that, or oh, he's sexy. It's like, the nature of the video does not match you or any of y'all being shirtless. But T.N. Richards took that shirt off, so I'm, I'm sure... With CW's track record, when we do get this Tom Swift episode, or is it Tom Swift series, this man is going to be shirtless for at least a few episodes. Because there's no, like, he has an impeccable body. There's no way they're going to keep him wearing shirts. Like, it's so silly. Um, So, yeah, him and Nancy do bond. And I liked their chemistry. I liked uh, all of their interactions. And I would actually be interested to see more of him on this show or nancy popping up on his show once it gets going um yeah i really liked it i think they have great chemistry together and nancy and i forget i don't know the actress name who plays her forgive me i like her like she's a very likable character there's some things that went on in the last two episodes that i'm like I don't watch the show, so I don't know what the fuck is going on here. But, like, I'm rooting for you, sis. I hope you do, you know, what needs to be done. Um, but, yeah, I, I want to see more of them together. Uh, at the end, because Nancy's mm, B-plot, C-plot is her talking to some woman, older white woman named Cecile or Cecilia, and becoming nancy hudson or revealing herself as the granddaughter to some man i don't know but she has a party where she's invited to which will come up probably in the next episode or next two episodes and she has a blue dress that tom definitely just eviscerated and at the end of the episode he gives her a balmain dress that looks kind of like the beyonce what is that Balmain, like shirt jacket, short set thing she had on. Was that the on? That was on the run. That was her and Jay Z, I believe. Fuck, I do not remember when that was. But y'all know what I'm talking about. It's black and white. It has like feathers on the arms. It almost looks kind of bird like. But her dress reminds me of that. And I wonder if that a signature look of Balmain or is it? a direct, like, let's mimic this. I wonder. Uh, but he says, hey, it's also bulletproof. So I'm like, damn, they're really setting this shit up. Like, I like their friendship. Um, ultimately, Nick and Tom share a kiss where I I like to think that Nancy kind of helps Tom get to the point where he's like, man, look, you can be your father's son and he can be proud of you and you can be gay there doesn't have to be some either or and he kisses nick with nick's permission and puts it on the timeline and you know everybody goes up like oh he's so handsome he looks so good this and that and seeing that kiss on screen was so 
Oh my God, I loved it. <sighs> when I think about representation, which, you know, that's my claim to fame, and the things that people are getting now that were so taboo or were non-existent when I was young, it is... <sighs> I'm just so happy. Um, because one, looking at the full episode, this last moment of them kissing felt like it fit within the episode. It wasn't a weird comic relief thing. Tom was never not taken seriously. Um, there were jokes abound. Their friendship that he developed with Ned slash Nick was very, um, it was, it was quick. Like everything else on the show, it wasn't too quick, but it was quick. It hit all the major points. It made sense. And even them sharing that kiss at the end felt like, oh, these motherfuckers still going to be friends. There was no weirdness to it. It was just a fucking kiss. And I loved it. Oh, my God. And it wasn't some Disney wedding sloppy tongue down your throat, but it was a very convincing kiss. And I liked that Nick turned to George and was like, hey, is this okay? She was like... There's a lesbian living in my body. That's fine. Like, there's a whole nother person inhabiting this body that you are in a relationship with. Kiss that man. That doesn't bother. Like, it was just so... Man, I really enjoyed this episode. And at the end, like, I guess, like, the comments came in real quick. And so, George was like, oh, well, you're getting all these uh, damn comments. Kiss me, uh, Nick, because such and such, and they share a kiss. It's a cute little moment. She's like, yeah, my granddaddy's just going to have to deal with it. Like, all in all, if this is the feeling and the mood that we're getting translated over to Tom Swift, I am here for the shits. They've seeded a lot of um, small parts of Tom's life that could be fleshed out and established more his daddy issues his um obsession with you know labels and dressing nice his science ingenuity um creator inventor shit him having this ai aka um lavar burton that he had since he was eight years old like getting to that past how did you become an inventor at eight years old is it just the wealth or is it like the wealth with the intellect meeting like boredom like how did you get into that also with the original Tom Swift mother being dead, I'm not sure if that's the direction they're taking the new black Tom Swift or not. I know they say he come from a family of inventors. Like, what is your dad like? What is his upbringing like? What got him Baron Swift to this point where now we have you, Tom, and you want his approval so badly? Another thing is um, Tom mentioned his dad like tries to hook him up with different girls. And to me, it didn't feel like dad hates that I'm gay. It felt almost like for those of you who watch big mouth, the Matthew storyline where it's either, it didn't feel like the dad hated him for being gay. It felt like Tom was too afraid to let his dad know he was gay because he even mentioned to Nancy, he was like, I make myself vulnerable by letting him know because at that point, what he really thinks of me will be known. And there's a possibility that that isn't good. And I'm like, there's so many people who can relate to that. Like, God, that's such a scary fucking feeling. But I never got from their conversation that Baron Swift was like, fuck the gays and fuck you, my gay ass son. It never felt like that. It felt like 
either he probably knows and ignores it or he's oblivious but has these high expectations for his son where Tom is now internalizing it and and his gay and queerness is like oh my god this is the one thing that I know for sure will make my dad hate me like there's so many aspects to this fucking character like even the way he talks about white people in relation to us seeing anyone else on the show and not just this show because i've only watched the two episodes but just in the way people i was just i don't know i'm just i'm really feeling nancy drew and i'm going to have to stick a pin in that and maybe revisit some earlier episodes of this season and season one maybe at least watch the first arc of season one because i just i i haven't seen a character like tom and he's a dark-skinned visibly black man now, the one issue that I, I'm scared I'm going to have, oh my God, is that on the show, they mentioned that he has a boyfriend named James. And we don't see James. I assume James would be a black guy. Um, I mentioned on Twitter that I hope Tom has a black love interest. And there's a a young lady, and oh, forgive me for not pulling up her name because I've tweeted so much since then. She was like, well, I've seen the casting calls or the casting um, potential castmates um, for the show, and, you know, don't hold your breath. And I was like, oh, my God, I hope she's, like, terribly mistaken and, like, she's thinking about something else because this would really, really be a fucking shame if Tom Swift... This black gay billionaire scientist has a white lover. I could care less how I sound, take it how you want. I don't give a fuck. For the last three years, I'd say somewhere around right before Thanksgiving-ish, I've had a post circulating where I ask everyone, you know, at large reading the post, are there any... Same gender loving, queer, gay, black, male comic book characters who are in relationships with other black male comic book characters. And every year, people can point to certain indie comics, which I I don't think that that's... um, um, that's nothing to sneeze at or laugh at or whatever. Like, I think that's very important. But I don't focus on indie in that regard because I'm focusing on the big two or three or whatever. Marvel and DC, Image and all that. Um, because those are the motherfuckers pumping out all these movies and shit. And, again, I don't want to disregard the existence of these relationships in those indie spaces. Those are very important. When we're looking at these big major MCU and DCEU movies and properties and money getting funded for different projects and shit, why in the hell are we not seeing this? Why am I not finding... Like, why are we pushing this fucking imagery that there's no relationships like that like it's it's really upsetting to me um there was a post going around twitter maybe a few days ago where there's a black girl who is an author and she wrote a love story i believe it was two black girls maybe some witch or magical you know science fiction stuff and 
this person, a white person, emailed her. And she said, you know, I don't really respond to certain emails or whatever. But she posted it. She said, because this shit blew my fucking mind. In short, the email said, you're a great writer. I love everything you do. But readers of fantasy don't want to feel bad or feel left out. You have two black women as love interests. I would suggest making one of them white. So that people don't feel bad and they can feel like they see themselves in that. If you look at any other YA fantasy novel, there's always at least one partner who's white. It makes it a little bit more legitimate. Now, that's me paraphrasing, but that's only because I don't have the exact text in my face. That is essentially what was said. I did not deviate. I did not um, embellish. That is exactly the sentiment of that message. Needless to say... Shit is fucking weird. There's another post on Twitter where um, a, a gay black guy posted, if you are a gay man who is black with a black male partner or black partner, post these damn pictures. There are constant, countless pit. Well, I don't even count them, I'm sure. But there's so many pictures of two men, light-skinned, dark-skinned, everyone in between, but visibly black men who are with other black men. Different body types, different shades, different ages. And to constantly have to fucking beg and scream and plead for these motherfuckers to give us just this one fucking thing is getting so goddamn frustrating. So, yeah, I hope Tom Swift has a black partner. I don't want him with a white man. I don't care for him to be with an Asian man or a Latin man. I don't care about that. Give me two fucking black men in a goddamn relationship on TV. Like you keep pulling this in. Oh my God. And this is so, there is a clip. And I know I'm kind of all over the place here, but for those of you who know, you know, there's a clip and I want to say it's a bad girls club. And there were some girls in a truck or van rather driving somewhere. And there were like maybe two white women and then three or four black girls. And the one black girl was like, yeah, I want my um, husband and my kid's father to be a black man. And the one white girl was like, well, why? That doesn't make any sense. So she was like, well, girl, if you was with a white man, you want to be with him. Like, I want to be with somebody who looks like me, somebody who reminds me of my experience, this and that. And the white girl was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. In this one, now, I am trying to kind of be a bit more conservative with my retelling because I can't remember the scene verbatim but I know that the black girl was like what the fuck I like why are you attacking me for saying that I want to be with a black man as if that's some type of insult or some type of direct threat against white people and it's just at this point I'm (laughs) going through my own fucking trauma from watching shows and shit but the point I'm trying to get at is you can't be keep queer baiting you can't like Quit half-assing this shit. Now, I'm saying all this very passionately. There has not been released a full cast list. Um, so I am aware of that intellectually. I understand that we haven't gotten all of that to the public yet. But I'm hoping good and goddamn well these people realize you don't give us half of this fucking story. There are so many interracial relationships in real life and on TV that's fine. Every single show on the CW where there is a black person present, there is another race partner. Give me this fucking gay black man, dark skin with black features with another black man. That's all the fuck I'm saying. 
if you need to make this black man as light-skinned as Shamar Moore and try to make him as racially ambiguous as possible, like, uh, I don't want to fucking just accept this shit because, like, well, you know, that's what they gave us. But his interactions with Nick slash Ned were so wholesome. They were so interesting. And even that kiss at the end, I don't feel like they need to be romantic partners. I still feel like that's a friendship there. But the very fact that that shit was on our TV screens and it wasn't made a joke, it wasn't um, some comic relief. It wasn't some, oh, this is some icky bullshit. It was just a kiss celebrated by everyone on the screen. And it had a purpose. It wasn't just some, hey, girl, I'm Tom Swift. Yeah, bitch, let me kiss this nigga. It wasn't some, like, wacky-ass weird shit. Like, it happened with the story. It made sense. And it is what it, it was. A, it was just a really good episode. And I, I would hate to think that we're going to get this powerful ass character because that's what the fuck it is i don't care which way you look at it and then he gets a white partner i don't want that i i I don't think that's needed we get that in every other instance of things gay relationship even the heterosexual ones it's like god damn bro can we catch a fucking break so i don't know man um, I don't want to end on a intense note like that. Um, Tian Richards, you doing what needed to be done. He's a butch queen through and through. I loved his style. I loved the way they styled him. I loved his hair, his skin, like everything about him screamed black man. Um, I like the dialogue. I mentioned on Twitter that I would like to have a copy of this script. So I don't know if anybody listening, if y'all got any hookups or know how to get their hands on that script, get it to me, email me, whatever. Let me know, you know, what do I need to do or where I could find it? Because I really would like to see this specifically, but also other Nancy Drew scripts, mainly because, it again, it feels like there's a lot of shit packed into one episode and everything made sense. Where that, the scene with... Um, Tom answering the phone from LeVar talking about the Tubman Society meeting and Geraldine and such like that when watching that scene on its own it felt kind of fast like why would you tell this woman about your family relationship and your issues with your dad but when you're looking at the episode as a whole that really wasn't that fast it was like they were hitting the points that matter I can easily see this script having been doubled and then them cutting back all of the shit like every sentence in this episode mattered there was no filler there was no oh girl nancy you know i like your dress but i you know i think i would do better with designing you a dress no it was very much like why are you wearing this ugly prom dress i was for this dinner with this patriarch of the family that's ugly i can get you a better one and wait no that's ugly. I can get you a better one if you help me get this media. Like everything, just watch the episode if you can. Just watch it. It's on CW. Watch Nancy Drew season two, episode fifteen, uh, and and let me know your thoughts. <sighs> okay, so before running too too long, <laughs> I was talking for a minute, which I know I do. Um, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, Carefree Blurred is the handle. Uh, CBN Pod is the hashtag. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, if you watch Tom Swift, let me know. Did how'd you feel about the pilot? Did you like it? Do you disagree with everything I've said this episode? <laughs> but that's fine too. But let me know. Let's make this a conversation. All other social media, Carefree Black Nerd, um, is the 
title carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com if you'd like to email me get some things popping you got some conversation that's going to be longer than twitter allows that's perfectly fine as well and uh make sure to check out all the other shows in the feed i'm not sure where this is going up but there should be a uh circle season two episode dropping and we should be coming up on the second to last or last episode of black lightning matters with my co-host cole jackson one two over on twitter give him a ring say what's up and um until next time guys please stay carefree stay nerdy stay geeky and support tom swift when this season drops i will be right there live tweeting i will have crafted some some hashtags and some stuff but please be sure to follow me on twitter carefree blurred so we can get these these live tweets popping off Ah, all right. Have a good one, y'all. I'm looking for Nancy Drew. Why are you wearing a prom dress? An ugly dress party? No. You cannot science your way through ghosts. I went to MIT, and you went to a thrift store to buy that hat, okay? Okay.